you would have told me that 10 years ago, I would have said, you're crazy. I don't even see how that could happen. I don't even see how God could turn that around. It, it was such a dark time. But there, there was that, that joyful expectation. There was that hope that God said, Pittsburgh, God will make a way and I can trust him. Welcome to Along the Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me on my journey as I try to become more like Jesus every day. I love when I have the opportunity to talk with fascinating people and learn how God has met them along their way. I believe that everyone has a story and we can all learn from each other's journeys. Through my work as a television producer, I get to interact with some of the most amazing people making an incredible impact for God's kingdom. In this episode of Along the Way, my journey connects me with Pastor Amy Schaefer of Grace Life Church, who is also one of the longest-running hosts of the TV program that I produce, Real Life. Enjoy this episode of Along the Way. Amy, thank you for being on Along the Way. Uh, I enjoy working with you with the the Real Life program at Cornerstone Network uh, for the last five years or so now, and it's been uh, it's been a real blessing. So I want to be able to kind of introduce you to the listeners to my podcast. Yeah. We have been along the way for five plus years now. Yeah, and so you know you get to really know people when you're with them five years. You know you get to see them mad. You get to see them in the the celebration seasons of life. And so, um, you're one of those solid, steady guys along the journey that, you know, I kind of always know, well, I, I'm like your self-acclaimed older sister. Absolutely, and yeah. so I give you my opinions freely all the uh-huh. time. <laughs> you don't ask for them. So anyway, you're, you're very dear in both Buck and I's life. And I feel like we're always going to be looking out for you. Oh, thank you. Know, you. I appreciate along that. Along the way. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, well, yes, with the with along the way, though, you've been walking with the Lord longer than I have. And mm-hmm. you and your husband, Buck, are pastors of a thriving church. And um, I'm excited about what God is doing with you guys. And it's a very unique call. Um, but I want to hear about your story and kind of leading into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Could you tell me a little bit about your background? Because you haven't always lived in the Pittsburgh area. No. And um, so how did you kind of get from... And we're actually, we're recording this in your church right now. So right. there's some there's some noises, church pe- there's some noises yeah. that are happening back there. There's some uh, people getting ready for, I think, worship practice Music or something. Yeah, and life groups. So we'll, we'll see how much uh, gets picked <laughs> up throughout here. But yeah, so tell me a little bit about your journey to how you are... Uh, where you are right now. Yeah. So I was about 18 months old. I I promise I won't (laughs) tell you every detail from 18 months on, but 18 months, you know, I looked at a picture of Jesus and with my mom and dad there. And I said, Oh, ho, ho, which was my name for Santa Claus. And so mom and dad said, you know what? We need to get Amy planted in a church. Like she needs to know who Jesus is. We need to be that my mom and dad were believers, but it wasn't like, we have to be plugged into a church. We have to get her in the word. And so anyway, that was the deciding factor. We, they got me planted in a local church and we were in a church for 35 years. And I really, 
I grew such a deep love and of the word of the local church of missions, you know, and, and the church that we were planted in actually grew to be a mega church in mm-hmm. Oklahoma city of 6,500 seat auditorium. Wow. When we had dramas, um, there were camels coming down the aisles. I mean, it was, wow. it was a no joke, incredible church that was life-giving and and I really I grew that's where I learned who I was in Christ and my parents we were there my dad's an engineer my we were at church more than probably my kids are at church today as a pastor's kid oh my gosh like we were there three to four times a week um you know in bible studies and youth groups and oh so we went to Sunday school Sunday morning and Sunday night school or Sunday evening mm-hmm. church. And so that's kind of my background. I just grew up knowing that I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. John, I can't even remember the day that I said, I want to accept Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I just always, I always loved him. He always loved me. So at some point along the way, now I've probably prayed it a million times. Yeah. But I don't remember that one day where it was like darkness to light. I feel like I I grew up in the light. Yeah. And that's a good place to be. It is. It really is. Yeah. And I love that you were just saying that, you know, you you mistook Jesus for Santa. Yeah, and your parents right. said, oh, we need to make sure we get this straightened out. And that really... Was so the path. That was the path from yeah. the very beginning. Right. Just and, 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 and both of their parents are saved. I mean, my great-great-grandma was on a wagon heading to a revival, a tent revival. So, I mean, the, we have a, back, a rich background. We're not first-generation Christians. Mm. We're like fourth-generation believers. Oh, wow. But mom heritage. and dad had moved to a college town. They wanted us to think bigger as kids. They wanted us, you know, where the University of Oklahoma is. I'm going to insert boomer sooner uh, because I'm sooner born, sooner bred, sooner living. And when I die, I'll be sooner dead. You know, that uh-huh. goes deep, <laughs> deep roots. And then, so that's, that's kind of where it all began. So I love the Lord and I love what the local church can do in a believer through navigating the, the journey of life. Yeah. So I think one of the most important things that we can do as we're, growing with the Lord is hearing his voice. Yeah. And, um, I wish I could remember the exact first time that I heard the voice of the Lord, but I remember Mm -hmm. some early times. What do you remember the first thing that God spoke to you? Um, and what was that? Yeah. Well, I remember a really significant time that the first major significant time that God spoke to me. Okay. In the, in the church, we're doing the Easter drama. And you're how old? And I'm probably 18, 19. I'm at Oklahoma City University as a musical theater major. And because my voice teacher was phenomenal, Florence Birdwell, and 90% of her students went to Broadway. Oh my gosh. Kristen Chenoweth was several years ahead of me. She was her voice teacher. Oh, so wow. I was in like heaven there, you know, just, and and I'm, I'm getting ready to do the dramas. I'm the lead in the play at, at the church. And, um, and I'm playing Mary Magdalene, the demon-possessed prostitute, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I've played her several times, and I'll just, which, which play I'll just won't be offended. Which play is this? It's for Easter. It was like oh, written okay. in-house, and we were telling the story through her eyes. And, and the curtains dropped. I hear the people, and the, it's total darkness. I'm standing by myself, and I hear 
the voice of God say, and and I'm going to say it was almost the audible voice of God. Mm-hmm. It was that strong, that clear, that loud. And he said, I want you to go to Rama Bible School and you will minister to thousands of people. And I went, I'm like, I, I'm just standing there and I'm thinking, okay, I'll kind of tuck that away because I'm getting ready to do the right. drama, right? And I'm thinking, what a weird random time to mention I hadn't heard of Rama Bible School. Really? I had no idea where it was. What? And I'm thinking, that's a really strange word from God. Then I ask a couple of older women in our church, you know, who know everything about mm-hmm. God and life, whatever. So they said, yeah, Rama Bible School's in Tulsa. That's Kenneth E. Hagan's school. It's a word of faith school. We love. Ra- and I'm, and it's only an hour and a half away from Oklahoma City, which. I can't believe I hadn't even heard of it. Yeah. You know, Oral Roberts University, mm-hmm. Kenneth E. Hagan, these are like legends of the faith. They're really like modern day fathers of the faith. Father, totally. And so I immediately, I told my mom, I said, God called me to go to Bible school. Like the, I was on a journey, John, mm-hmm. a, along the path, kind of trying to figure it out myself. You know, right. oh, well, I love singing. I love theater. I love being bigger than life, I think I'll just maybe lean toward theater and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Broadway and get everybody saved. And here God stops me along the path while I'm in his house mm-hmm. with his people. I'm getting ready to lift him up. We're getting ready to see thousands of people saved. And he speaks to me. I want you to go to Bible school. Wow. Game changer. Absolutely. It's yeah. a game changer. So you were already on a path where you knew the gifts that God had given you yeah. and you wanted to use them for his glory. Mm-hmm. However, whether it be Christian plays or whatever, or Anything. on Broadway, yeah. you would be a light in a very dark place. Right. And then God speaks to you and totally changes your path. Yeah. Well, and, and I think about how everything that's happened today and really the whole 20 plus years after that is affected by that one moment where I heard God's voice and chose to obey. I could have ignored it and went along my own path, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, Mom, Dad, God's called me to go to Bible school. And they're kind of like, okay, you know, just Jesus helper. Yeah. Jesus, you know, first one, you know, to okay. to go to ministry school in the family. So your dad is an engineer. What what is your mom? My dad's a mechanical engineer and he's very, very smart. And he just didn't understand ever why I didn't like math or science. And I'm like, (laughs) dad, I just don't. It's not for me. And my mom, um, she worked in the postal service actually, and had a great job, actually made more money than my dad for years, helped put him through school. Oh, wow. And then, of course, ended up helping him in his business. She's like his right arm, mm-hmm. you know, girl. But, yeah. Really so they, they really helped you. I mean, from the time you were 18 months, and I'm sure they're still now even speaking into your life, but they really cultivated this. Your walk My with mom the Lord. and dad were the reflection of the Heavenly Father on earth. Even to this day, like, when I think about the power and the influence of a mother and a father, I thank God for them. They... They were not perfect, but they invested in my life. They told me not, oh, you're an Allen. You're an Allen. They said, Amy, this is who you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. You're a daughter of the Most High God. Dad and Mom would leave me post-it notes. You know, you're you're incredible. You rock. You're smart. You're awesome. You know, everywhere you go, people listen to you. You have infl- like constantly infiltrating me speaking life into you speaking life into me my whole entire life which 
coming to Pittsburgh now and getting almost the brains beat out of me here in mm-hmm. ministry, frontline planting and pioneering a church when it wasn't popular. No. And there were no schools to show you how to plant and pioneer a church. And how that how their words over me and how they taught me who I was in Christ insulated me for what life was going to bring. Yeah. So you just mentioned that you came to Pittsburgh and started a church, and you didn't do that alone. No. So I'd like to introduce uh, your husband, Bruce Wayne Buck Schaefer, into this Bruce mix. Wayne. Yes. Yeah, the coolest pastor. I, I, <laughs> I do too. Yeah. His nickname's Buck, which came from his grandfather, okay. who called him Little Bucky. And um, yeah, he's Pastor McDreamy. He's the... <laughs> It cracks me up every time you say that. I know it's coming, and I, know. I still crack up. I mean, I just want to tell everybody he's the hottest pastor in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and he gets mad when I say that. And I'm like, you ought to smile. It's, it's a kind of a compliment. I, I, I love it because I've heard so many male pastors saying, my wife is the hottest, and it you know it makes them blush. And to know that you're doing that to your husband, and it makes him yeah. embarrassed. Is, it hey, just, after 23 great. years married, you got to keep the flames burning. Absolutely. You know, you put, you put logs on the Absolutely. fire. So how did you guys so, meet? Yeah, well, Because that point. obviously was a change in direction to some degree. Well, yeah, major. I mean... Meeting Jesus and then marrying your spouse, two most important decisions that you'll ever have in life. Um, So I go to Bible school. I'm in Bible school with all of his brothers and sisters. Like, they're all there in class with me. They're giving me pictures, videos. you got to meet him, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so his, his siblings are trying to set you up. They are totally setting me up. And they call me to their house for dinner. And he calls on the phone. I go, he wasn't there? No, he wasn't there because he was already out in ministry as a youth pastor, associate pastor. And I go, hello, this is Amy. And he goes, I'm going to marry you. <laughs> that's that's your introduction. My introduction. And I said, I'm going to marry you. I knew it when I heard his voice. And oh. he said the same. So now, just so our listening audience doesn't freak out right now. We dated two years before we got married, okay, and we, so proved, it wasn't a- <laughs> we proved out the will of God. But that's very important. Yes, that really is. It is. Yeah. You don't, don't want to just dump, jump into the into what you think is the will of God ahead of His timing. So, how did you right. stay patient during this process? Yeah. Oh, you better talk about patience. John. I do. I do. Um, you know, it was pretty easy because I was in Bible school, okay. and I, you know, I just wanted to focus and finish. And, you know, he was doing stuff in ministry and, you know, everything is beautiful in God's time. Mm. And if it were any sooner, I think it would feel forced and rushed. And if it was any later, it might feel like a little too long. So it was just, it was in perfect timing. So we got married at 22 years old and, um, I was 22, he was 26. And then we started traveling in the ministry and we went all over the world. We were in like Europe for a month. We were in the Czech Republic before it was, uh, well, we were in Czechoslovakia mm-hmm. before it broke up. Yeah. So we, we traveled all over, we had tent, big tent crusades and then we were back at our house and we felt like God calling us. You're to, back in your house. Where's in, in Norman, Oklahoma. Okay. We kind of pioneered out of there, did ministry out of my home church. People were supporting us monthly. It was like, you know, like a good healthy ministry Mm -hmm. and I would sing he'd preach and and it was great well then we're feeling something like maybe planting a church well we had good friends in Vienna Austria which Vienna Austria is so beautiful and 
they have a great Bible school, and we thought, you know what, we'll plan a great church there, be perfect. So we're kind of heading in that direction, kind of in our own thoughts. And he prayed, I prayed. And when I when I went away, I heard God say one word, and it was really clear and really strong, and that was Pittsburgh. And he comes in the room and he says, Amy, we're not going to Vienna. He goes, I want you to pray about it. And I said, we're going to Pittsburgh. And he said, yep. Wow. Done deal. So Pittsburgh wasn't even on the on the board at this point until no, God I, said it. Well, Buck was like, I do not want to go back to Pittsburgh because he was born here. He was okay. born in Penn Hills area. Uh, born and raised till he was 10. Then his whole family moved to Tulsa when he was 10 years old. Most of his growing up years were in Oklahoma. Okay. And he thought, you know, Lord, I'll go anywhere. Just probably not back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> now, oh, I, I mean, Pittsburgh, I mean, I will fight people over Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is so incredible. This is my promised land. This is the place God has called me. This is the place God's blessing me. This is the place where I had my beautiful children and have really worked out the plan and will of God. And so I feel bad for everybody that doesn't live in Pittsburgh. Amen. I feel (laughs) the same way too. (laughs) I try to be very practical in my approach uh, towards life. Yeah. I want to know why we do things a certain way um, or why we're taking the steps that we're taking. But for you, what are some practical steps that you took? You know that you wouldn't be where you are today if you didn't do this practical thing. And it, it might be a big choice. It might yeah. be uh, something like that. But what, what are some practical steps mm-hmm. or practical advice that you could give me from your walk with the Lord? Well, okay. I pray and I obey. I mean, it, here's the deal. We pray about stuff. And then we feel an unction from God to do something. We, we feel like he's leading us some way. And then we expect it's somehow just going to magically happen. Well, you have to obey. And if you obey and he's asking you to do something, you're going to have to step out in faith. Like yeah. when God called us to Pittsburgh, we didn't have the money. We didn't even have a house to move into here. We didn't have people waiting here for us to get here, to start a church. We had nothing but a word from God He said, Pittsburgh. And it was like, we're going to obey him and he's going to work it out. Now, I mean, there's things I would maybe do differently as far as planning now that I know 20, you know, two years later. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you can't get stuck in like paralyzed mode or a fear of, I feel God telling me to do this, but I and you just don't take the step because the next step doesn't always make sense. The next step isn't comfortable. Right. The next step isn't easy. The next step is going to be challenging. The next step is you're going to have to trust God more. So I'd say pray and obey. That's super practical, but that obeying part is really difficult. It's yeah. like it's it's a simple thing, but it's not easy. Mhm. Faith without works is dead. Dead. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't, you can't steer, you can only steer a moving car. Mm-hmm. You can't steer a dead car. Do you call it an yeah. idle car? I mean, you've got to be in motion, in movement, even if you miss it a little bit. God has this like GPS that'll get you right back. He'll reroute you and get you right back yeah, on track. I love, that. I love that about God. Yeah. Yeah. He, he cares more about us getting to the destination that he has for us, but that we're growing along the way mm-hmm. and that we're becoming more like him in the process. Yeah. That's been, that's a big part of, a big part of my life right now. 
Um, so you, you mentioned some difficulties and um, in, in this kind of analogy that I'm using about you know traveling the road and uh, what are some detours that you might have faced and what is it what's some advice that you would give me to avoid some of those same detours yeah well some some detours well i think that all of hell is going to try to keep you from fulfilling your god-given purpose because there is nothing more scary and more concerning to the enemy than a daughter or a son of God that wakes up every morning, knows who they are, plants their feet on the ground, and goes out to do the kingdom purposes, the kingdom will of God. And and even if you're not in ministry, you're in business. When my dad got up in the morning and did engineering, his engineering firm really helped establish this church. I mean, Mm -hmm. dad had always given to nonprofits, to churches, to blessing others. I mean, be, be a scare to the, to the kingdom of darkness and, and do something great for God. I think that's a huge detour. Um, one thing, one challenge that I had was, you know, I was the first one in my family going into ministry. It was a whole unworn path. Nobody knew what it looked like. And I'm a female pastor. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other... Even right now, John, in 2019, in the area of Pittsburgh, I'm one of the only women operating as a senior pastor co-lead in a church. I remember going to conferences, and they would they would take the pastor's wives in one room and the pastors in another room. And I was, I was so torn because I'm like, I'm a pastor, but yes, I'm a pastor's wife. And I would go to the pastor's wives groups and they'd all be crying about how people are talking about them or, you know, mm-hmm. got their numb. And I just thought, this is piddly. I mean, I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's not important. Right. It's just like, I'm doing strategic development, like staffing and hiring and directional and teaching and preaching. Like I just was not. I, I just had that call more of a pastor mm-hmm. on me, which was developed over time. That didn't just happen when we first moved here. Well, and it? Cornerstone had a great part to play in that, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, tell me about that. Well, okay, so um, we, when we were in this, uh, probably the middle season of planting the church, my husband said, hey, let's plant a church in Oklahoma. I'm like, really? So, so you're <clears> in <throat> Pittsburgh, and you want to, and you came from Oklahoma, and you want to plant a church. We back did, there. yeah. So we planted a church back there, and he was flying back and forth every other week. And the Lord spoke to him and said, "Tell Amy it's time now, because I am supportive. I'm his biggest cheerleader. I'm not trying to take over. I'm not trying to preach every message. I'm not trying to." be seen and heard. I'm, I want to do everything I can to build the local church. Whatever my part is to play in that is great with me. Um, and so he said, Amy, it's time to preach to me. And I said, Oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> you know, the amount of work and sacrifice and study that goes into developing and preparing messages. I don't think people quite understand no, I've preached a couple of times in my yeah. life, but it's you know it's not to the same degree. Yeah, but I mean it's basically like writing that twenty-page paper in college that you have to give it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're just studying and studying and getting the material so deep. And I had three small children. Oh yeah. Yeah, 
two, and then and then we added Judah, and it was a lot. And he's traveling, and I'm by myself, and I'm preaching, and and I just felt like the Lord say to me, whatever the question is, yes is my answer, like. Yes, I'll do it. Ask me anything, I'll do it. So I thought, I'm never going to complain about this. I'm just going to step out and do it. And so I'm preaching all of a sudden every other week. People are calling me Pastor Amy. Um, I, older men are like, hey, Pastor Amy. You know, I never said, excuse me, church. I'm now Pastor Amy. I'm no longer Amy. Forget that. I'm Pastor. It, that, that wasn't how it happened. I started operating as a pastor, and that call and grace came upon me, and people noticed it. And I believe that's how a pastor should be identified anyway. Not right. because you say, I'm a pastor, mm-hmm. but because you're already operating in that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And in a, in a culture where it's so much about titles, really the kingdom of God is not about titles at all. No. It's like, can you be a servant? Can you can you wash their feet? Can you? Be, we have some servant leaders. And... Um, and so when he was away, one of the producers at Cornerstone is sitting in the church. And he's look, he said, you know what? She'd be great on TV. <laughs> I mean, geez. And so I think you ought to try out for this thing called Sister to Sister, which tomorrow we're celebrating five years of programming and with Sister ex- to Sister. And that's exciting. It's exciting. I mean, a half-hour program with five women discussing hard issues it's it's incredible and it's basically the same original five the original same five, five women yeah yeah but we've had a couple that have had to fill in whenever mm-hmm. somebody hasn't been able to make it but that's a lot of episodes Significant. that's yeah. a lot of questions that's a lot of being real and yeah. vulnerable on tv yeah in front of a lot of people yeah how does that make you feel knowing that you've been a, you've been a part of something for like that for five years it's kind of been a, like, it feels like a long time. And then sometimes it seems like a really short amount of time. It makes me feel like my life is richer for knowing these girls that some of the things we talked about, even some of the ways that they think challenge the way that I think it's really, really good to hear people that don't have the same perspective as you do. Otherwise you get tunnel vision and, and then you see where someone's coming from, and then you it helps you relate to other people you might meet along the path. And you're like, oh, that's, that's going to help me. I know that personality. I know that style. I know that mindset. And, and, and here's how I can you know, come alongside and, and talk and work together. What happened in your life that showed you that Jesus was walking with you, but you didn't see it or you didn't realize it until much later? Yeah. Do you have any examples of oh, that? I give you yes. some time to think about that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the one major, major thing was about 10 years into church planting, um, we had put a lot of money into a really big building, and it was it was a sign- hundreds of thousands of dollars. Into, it was like everything we had, everything the church had. And it ended up not working out. And the money actually was stolen from us. No. Yes. And through a series of events. And it was not right. It wasn't fair. And we thought we didn't want to take church money and fight it in court. Mm. So we had to trust God. So, So now we're at a point where we've lost all this money. We can't divulge all the details for legality reasons, and we are totally trusting God. I mean, wow. it was like us and God. Plus, we have hundreds of people now that we need to take to another building, <clears throat> and it's like, what do you do when 
Everything seems to be shutting down. Everything seems to be closing. And we just had to trust God. So if you could just get in that moment, no money, no building, people talking, and, and, you, and you're questioning, God, do you still want me here? Mm. Like, it, or are the doors closing? Or, you know, should I go where we're... Ce- we heard this all the time. Go where you're celebrated. During this time, we got an offer at a large church with a large sum of money, with everything taken care of out of state. And when Buck and I prayed, we heard that word, Pittsburgh. And we're like... Oh my gosh. So we knew that God was going to work it out and be involved. Years down the road, Live In Furniture gives us, for a tax write-off, a huge building on five acres of property for free. We sit today in this same area with assets of $5.5 million. Wow. That's what it just came back estimated at, just this property alone. So, John, if you would have told me that 10 years ago, I would have said, you're crazy. I don't even see how that could happen. I don't even see how God could turn that around. It, it was such a dark time. But there, there was that, that joyful expectation. There was that hope that God said Pittsburgh, God will make a way, and I can trust him. And that's really like knowing that God spoke to you about something. Yeah. And you stick with it because mm-hmm. God said it. That settles it. I believe it. Yeah. And we need to, you know, we need to dig deeper for a lot of those things. But when God speaks to you a word and it's confirmed and you know it in your heart, yeah, that helps you get through some of those hard times. I think it's really scary, John, that people bail before they see the the fruit mm-hmm. of all of the seed and the harvest that they planted and dug up. It gets hard. Yeah. Life gets hard, but God is faithful. God is good and you can trust him. And so I, we, you know, my husband and I, we make a choice. We will be the most consistent, steady thing in people's lives. Mm-hmm. We will, we, God said, Pittsburgh, we are here. I mean, we're going to be buried in Monroeville somewhere, right along the, somewhere yeah. significant. I don't know where a significant <laughs> cemetery is, but I mean, you've got to stay during the hard, you've got to stay put during the hard times. What advice do you have for me mm-hmm. as a 34 year old guy Yeah, that, I've gone through some hard times in my life. What is some advice that you can give me, give to the people that are listening, about how do you actually do that when you're face-to-face with those opportunities to quit? Yeah. Okay, so you have to have a deep sense of joy. This is where that fruit of joy comes into play because that joy in your life will act as a buoyancy. It will like literally help you float above the circumstances. And I can say pray and faith and all of this stuff, but I'm telling you, when Buck walked into the house that day, I'll never forget, I put on music and I said, we're going to dance. And we danced. And you know what? You just, you cannot let the heaviness, the pressures of life just sit on you and oppress you and depress you where you feel like you can't breathe, you can't move, you have anxiety, you need medication. Because guess what? Sometimes Some seasons in life are going to be heavy. And that is to me where that deep joy of the Lord will come through. And it's like, ha ha, I don't know how God's going to work this out, but it's going to be crazy good because God is faithful. And when you're reading the word and the stories of the Bible and your faith is building, it's like, 
God has to come through. He's a good father. He's a loving father, and he has a great plan. He's not going to let me fail. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I appreciate that advice. <laughs> Putting on joy. There's Seriously. a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's give me some ideas on how to do that next yeah. time that I'm face to face with an opportunity to quit. Maybe watch funny movies, funny videos. That, there's laugh. something to that. I mean, laugh. Go do something fun. Like try to break that spirit of heaviness over your life. Yeah, God is fun, right? Church should be also absolutely. <laughs> I love that. That's one of the you have that all over the place here. God, I do. God is fun, so church should be also. Um, Amy, mm-hmm. if you could go back in the past mm-hmm. and talk to the younger version of yourself, um, what advice would you give yourself? Mm-hmm. And do you think you'd actually listen to yourself? What, what time frame would that be? I would actually? totally listen to myself because I'm. So, I like myself. <laughs> <laughs> I would go back to 23 years old. Okay. What happened to 23? 23 is when we came up here to plant the church. And I just remember that young, fresh Amy. It was sort of like the honeymoon stage with God and leaving mom and dad, leaving home. And it's like this whole new journey and adventure. But, you know, planting a church in the Northeast is no joke. And it is hard. And it felt like for years we were pushing a big boulder. So I would tell that 23-year-old Amy that what they meant for bad or what the enemy meant for bad, God is going to turn it around for good. And then I would look ahead and I would say, oh, this is a rough spot. But I know that God's going to turn it around for good. Everything. There is nothing bad, nothing too traumatic, nothing so major that can happen in your life that God cannot somehow turn it around and it works out for your good and for the benefit of others. That's awesome. Do you have a a, a life verse? I have three. You got three. Right. <clears throat> and they, it's interesting because they kind of tie together. Okay. Psalm uh, 92, 13, those planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Okay. I love God's house. I love the local church. I'm sensing that theme through this story. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So guess what? Because I love God's house and I want people to flourish in God's house, he's going to give me the strength that I need to fulfill that God-given purpose. And then John 16.33, in this world you're going to have tribulation trials, tests, and troubles, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So listen, I'm planting God's house. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Even though I go through troubles and hardships, I can be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. And that's exactly my three core scriptures. Those are very good. And I like how you, you, they built on each other the way you, you explain that too. Yeah. Um, I think you covered a lot of the stuff that I've that I was going to Mm -hmm. talk about, but how do you apply God's revelation to your daily life? Well, first of all, the key word is that you're getting revelation from God every day. I mean, every day is the Bible necessary. Yeah. Bible reading is essential to a daily Christian life. How do you get revelation from God? If you're not in the word and hearing his voice, the, the very breath of God that wrote the scriptures 
the very life of God, the bread of life. We have to be in the Bible, so therefore we can get revelation, right? And that we can hear God's voice. My sheep know my voice. He's a good shepherd. He wants to guide us, lead us, direct us, show us our purpose along the path of life. In the hard times of life, we need to be getting revelation, this insight, this aha, this this clarity. And that's only going to happen if you're in the Bible. So how do you apply that to your life? You just do it. How do you apply the revelation? God, God showed me something. Okay, now do it. Don't be scared. Don't let fear dominate your life. Don't let fear control you. Don't let fear paralyze you. Just do it. Whatever, whatever that revelation is, just walk in it. Walk in the fullness of it. I hope you have a revelation that you're healed. I hope you have a revelation that you have joy. I hope you have a revelation that how much God loves you and cares for you, how you're his favorite son or daughter. I hope you have a revelation about how God wants to prosper everything that you put your hands to. The only way you're going to get revelations is in the word of God. And then when you got that, you've got, you've got everything in life. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Um, what books would you what book or books would you recommend would be an impact for my life? Okay, well, specifically for purpose or anything. For anything. Well, I think uh, one for sure would be The Authority of the Believer by Kenneth E. Hagan. Here's what happens sometimes with believers. They they go to the cross, right? Mm-hmm. And thank you Jesus for the cross. Thank you for saving me. And they never Go past the cross into the epistles where the church is established. And they don't find out who they are in Christ. They don't find out everything that Christ died and purchased for them to live because he went to the cross. He's not only giving us eternal life, but like we say on TV, he's giving us abundant life. What is that abundant life? That's exactly what Christ wants you to walk in. So the authority of the believer shows who you are in Christ and all that he purchased for you. Another great book, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits, you know, by Kenneth Hagin. Also, if you're looking for your God-given purpose in life, that is a great book to start. Thank you, Amy. Just want to give you an opportunity to talk about your church a little bit and uh, just briefly, like, how do people get get a hold of your church or find out more about that? Yeah. Uh, gracelifechurch.tv or um, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. We're pretty busy on the social media and um, we're just a life-giving church. All are welcome here. We're here to lift up Jesus. We're here to to make him famous. We're here to make fully devoted followers of Christ, to love people. Um, We want people to know that they belong. They don't have to behave first before they come to church or come to God. Just God loves you. He has a great plan for you. And we want people to find God. And when they find God, they're going to find life. Amy, thank you so much for being my guest on Along the Way. Thank you, John. And I love working with you at uh, on great. Real Life on, at Cornerstone Network. It's great. You're so. a great boss. You're a great TV boss. <laughs> I just help guide you to, hey, this is, You're talk about this person. I'm oh. not. <laughs> oh, you are bossy. You're like, <clears throat> enough. Quiet, quiet. Shut up. <laughs> Thank you very much, Amy. You're like, wrap it up, Amy. Okay, hey, John, wrap it up. up. (laughs) Wrap up this podcast. As you can probably tell, Amy is a lot of fun to be around and to work with. 
A theme that I kept noticing from this conversation with Amy is joy. Choosing joy, the fruit of joy, a deep sense of joy, joyful expectation. Joy is a good descriptor for Pastor Amy, and she has joy because she is secure in her identity with God. I like to think that I choose joy, but the truth is I'm often worried about my future and navigating through difficult times. I appreciate Amy's practical advice to me of even watching funny videos to help cultivate laughter and fun, which leads to joy and breaking that spirit of heaviness. When Amy talked about having joyful expectation because they knew that God said Pittsburgh, God will make a way and I can trust in him. That caused my heart to burn. It's tempting to cut and run during the hard times, but it takes courage to stay put, pray, and obey. When you take your next step with God, you need even more faith for the next step. Wow. That's one challenging quote. Sometimes we want that next step to be easier, but really the next step prepares you for the next step. Talking with Amy challenges me to find the joy in the journey. If you want to know more about Pastor Amy Schaefer, you can go to her church's website, gracelifechurch.tv. Also, you can watch her on episodes of Real Life on Cornerstone Network. You can go to reallife.ctvn.org to watch episodes of Real Life. Amy mentioned a few books, The Believer's Authority, as well as Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits by Kenneth E. Hagan. I'll be providing links in the show notes as well. Thank you for joining me along the way. If you've enjoyed this program, please rate and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at alongtheway.media. I hope you've enjoyed this part of the journey, and may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way.